I got a phone call one day in a previous life when I used to be in security. And these guys say to me, Hey, you know, our name is such and such. We're a venture capital company, you know, based offshore. And we're trying to find someone. I said, okay, who are you trying to find? Well, we're trying to find, you know, Joe Bloggs. We'll call him, we'll call him Joe Bloggs. I said, great. You know, why are you trying to find him? Well, you know, we invested a little bit of money with him and, uh, and we can't seem to, we can't seem to locate him. I'm like, okay, what's, what's a little bit of money? Uh, it was about 35 million. Okay. You invested 35 million. You gave someone $35 million and you can't find him. Is that, that's what you're telling me. Correct. How is it you can't find him? Well, he's not at the address that, that he said he was at. Like, okay, why don't, you, why don't you send me all the due diligence and the research and everything that you did when you were checking out the, the folks you were going to invest in? And we'll take it from there and our investigative research team will, will move forward. Well, you know, we don't really have a whole lot of research. Okay, what do you mean? We don't have a whole lot of research. Okay, by this point, I'm freaking out. Well, you know, I knew this guy who's been a good friend for years and he knew this guy and they knew this guy and they vouched for him and said he was great. So, you know, we just cut him the check and, you know, we figured it'd be okay. Like, okay, time out here, people. You gave somebody $35 million because somebody knew somebody who knew somebody and nobody did any deep diligence or anything on this guy. And now you can't find him and he's run off with your money. Yeah. Can you find him for us? Sure. Yeah, we'll find him for you. When they gave him the money, he was in Florida. By the time we finished our research and our work, our guy on the ground had located him in Pennsylvania in a farmhouse worth millions with a kitchen ceiling that had a 23-foot Christmas tree in it. That, my friends, is what investigative researchers do. That's why people call security companies who specialize in investigative research, because they need to find someone they can't find, or they need some data they can't locate, or they need to understand what's going wrong or what's happening when their own ways of, of processing that information aren't working. And that is who we talk to today, a gentleman who does that very same thing from a different country. So enjoy the chat and I'll be back soon. I'm... I'm the guy who is, has an exotic past. I was born in ex Yugoslavia. Um, good old time communist times, right? Right. <laughs> uh, 1972, like which which puts me now into into the bracket of 50 years old this year. Um, you know, and then you know, as the life was progressing, 14 years old, I went to military school. You know, to become nice young communist, you know, officer in military. Um, it wasn't my call, but you know, my parents decided to me. They were great. They were great parents. They told me I was at 14 years old, get out of the house, right? We don't want you anymore. <clears throat> wow. That being said, my grandfather was a um, highly positioned communist intelligence uh, officer, second man in Yugoslavia. And he says to me, listen, you will never finish school. You're never gonna be nothing. <laughs> Let's go stay to the military school. And um yeah, 18 years old, 1991, civil war broke out, something like Ukraine or Russia, Yugoslavia. So I found myself in a war. Uh, I drummed it in for nine years. Um, and then eventually I decided to say like, okay, I want to fulfill my dreams. And they told me, we have a job for you. <laughs> you can leave the military, but you can't leave the, the, the service because I was the military intelligence then towards the end. And then I was transferred into foreign affairs. And uh, after some certain training um, in your country, 
I was being sent in Australia, right? And I said, like, God, mate, you know where Australia is from Europe? It's a, it's the end of the world, like, you know, Jack Sparrow and the end of the world, like, the, the, the ship is going to fall down. <clears throat> so I stayed working in Croatian embassy for five years. And, uh, you know, then I said to myself, it's enough. I'm, I'm 30 years old, you know, I, I need to have the family but we have a job for you. I said, like, look, I just have enough of this. You know, <laughs> I have a job for you. So, you know, I resigned um, 2004. Yeah, 2004, I resigned. And I said, this is it for me, right? You know, and then started my life in Australia. I met a beautiful woman, you know, and she says to me, by the way, I'm pregnant. I said, with who? She says, with you. I said, like, what am I going to do now? You know what I mean? Um, and then my son was born. Uh, and then I started my career in Australia in 2004, 2005. And then my first job was after 007 Lifestyle was, as you can guess, I was a bouncer right? because I couldn't get a job because I believe Mike Bald owes me. Right. And I was the guy, Bald owes me. Mike Takur owes me. Even before even I met you, you owed me something. Right. And... Uh, it was a gloopy, it was a stupid, it was a stupid, you know, thinking. So, you know, taking qualifications, universities, all these things. 2009, of course, the, the God, God bless us all with GFC. So I lost everything, right? Me, my family. Uh, by the way, my son, he developed uh, brain tumor, epilepsy, you know. So there was, yeah, it was, there was another hit, you know, with life. And then my 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 pride, like my marriage, everything was being a rock scene. I mean, I was was falling apart, but um, uh, I managed to decide to support myself with decision. Now it's time to do my own business. Me, Mario Beckers, <laughs> and you know, started you know step by step, you know, and slowly, slowly grinding, grinding, grinding. Took it a lot of years before I get my first client. And that's the reason why I hated that expression when somebody says to Mike, and you heard this, fake it, they'll make it. It doesn't work that way. Right. I think that's a, that's a, that's the biggest lie. Anyway, a few books later, you know, the masters, you know, my son is now finally being, you know, healthy uh, after all these struggles, surgeries, and missing half a brain, like it's like a SpongeBob sometimes, you know what I mean? But um, the good thing it is, uh, that's my life. So, no, I'm not Australian, Mike. As you well, can see, because I know the website was .au, so that's the bit that was throwing me. Because ah, okay. it's, it's the Australian ending on the mm. on the domain. So yeah. So like you know, when I was watching your videos and I really like it, your new videos. I like it. I like a setup of your studio, that 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 pink, bright light, you know, like and everything. I just really enjoy, you know what I mean? And then I said to Daniel, I was like, I like it how the mic set up this, you know, and then he says to me, maybe you should copy. It's like, I don't want to copy the man. He's going to see it. My video is going to sound like, is there anything else Mario taken from me? Uh, so yeah, you know, that was, that was my, that was my part, Mike. So that was my part. Yeah. I usually like yes. to start off with a few little icebreakers, just, just, just to, you know, help people yes. figure out who am I listening to today? So I'm going to ask you a couple of, couple of quick questions. Uh, don't overthink them. Just, just shoot straight shoot, and yeah. tell, tell okay. us how it is. So, <laughs> okay. so number one, what's your favorite food? What's my favorite food? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be pizza, for sure. Pizza, okay. it is. Yeah, pizza, yeah. Pizza. What kind of pizza? Uh, any kind of pizza. This is when you come in, you know, I was in love in 80s with McDonald's as a, as a kid in communism. I saw these some commercials and I said, what's so special about this McDonald's, right? And then I discovered the pizza when I come in, uh, Australia. So 
hours late discoverer, not like Columbus, you know, I was the second generation. <laughs> 98, I discovered the pizza because pizza is actually something, you know, that smell and, I, you know, usually I can buy the pizza, go on the beach, sit there on a sand and be on my own and just eat pizza. That's, that's the type of food, yes. Okay, so uh, number two, what's the, what's the best book that you've read in the last year? I'm repeating two same books. One is uh, The Prince, Niccolò Machiavelli. Uh, repeating this book once or twice per year. And uh, second book, it's called The Blood Soaked Soil. It's a great author, Mario Beckes. It's autobiography of, of a war. <laughs> um, nah, yeah, that's my book. But uh, Niccolò Machiavelli, The Prince, is my favorite book. And I have the compulsory to read at least one or twice per year because always start, always in when I'm repeating that reading, I discover new ones. And the second book, I'll be honest with you, there's plenty of them, but uh, I got uh, the recently book, uh, The Counterintelligence in Corporate Espionage, and uh, in some US uh, group of authors is there, so, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. So it's funny, I, I read a lot of books last year, and I haven't really started this yet, but, but you're not the first person to talk about rereading books. Yeah, and uh, I've been thinking to myself, you know, there was there was a few that were really good. I think rather than keep reading new books this year, I want to reread a few of the ones I read last year and just really, you know, really get them in because I read I read too fast, and so oh really, um, yeah, I, I was trying to do a book a week, and uh, I got to about fifty, so I almost made it for the year. But but there was a few in there that were really really good books, and so I know if I just slow them down, I like to highlight, you know, I like to make notes and that kind of stuff, and I didn't do that last year because I was reading them so quick. So uh, there's a reason why there's a reason why we don't read the books. So we are reading books. And I agree that books should be read uh, with a discussion when you can, not because you must. Right. Uh, a lot of books, as I said, like, you know, like Machiavelli, the Prince, which I sort of suggest, it, it's a greatest book of a deception. It's a, it's a book, how you can deceive generations of the people to believe and do things you wanted to do. So, you know, Mike, you read when you can. Yeah, no, for sure. So next question. Um, what do you like to do in your spare time? Hobbies? like? <clears throat> okay, I think I'm going to middle life crisis last seven years. Um, and uh, I returned myself to the boxing. So what I'm doing every year in 2016, uh, I asked my son, I said to him, would you help daddy, you know, to become new Mike Tyson? And I will help you to fight epilepsy. He says to me, yes. So I enrolled something called a corporate fighter. And of course, you know, as a kid, a dream of, of you know, Rocky Balboa movies and, you know, I was right. doing the boxing and so on. Long story short, I enrolled into a program called uh, uh, Masters Games every year in November. Last two years, I couldn't compete. Nobody could because of the COVID lockdowns. Right. Um, so what I'm doing in spare time, I'm trying to be, again, teenagers. I'm fighting this year in November in Pan Pacific Games Masters, uh, super heavy in a boxing. So this is my spare time. Everything goes in a boxing. Um, and, uh, yeah, people can see this, you know, that uh, it's, it's uh, uh, the way I try to push myself in the best possible way 
you know, being 50 years old, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not easy, <laughs> but it, at least I feel alive and I, it's accomplishment to, to fight with a really, really great athletes, you know, some professional athletes as a second chance. So it's a boxing. I know that and, you know, builds my confidence in my capabilities that I still can carry myself and be there for my clients in healthiest uh, uh, shape and form possible. Mario, yeah. like you got to be careful. You know, when you, you're 50 years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. But look, <laughs> Michael, would you agree to me if I if I ask you, when we listen to people in business coaching and that arena, everyone talks to be passionable, use the passion, sorry, you know, desire, imagination. But uh, what I learned from age 14 and, you know, communism had a great inspiration just to be, uh, on disposal, you know, I mean, basically, it was a health. We always forget in one biggest prerequisite we need to be happy, successful, rich, powerful, unhappy in love, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it's a health. And if we don't push in ourselves health wise, uh, you know, you can have all these assets in life or friends or the positions. If you have no help, there's no, there's no game. That's reason. But being 50 years old, yes, it does. <laughs> it does my head sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so, so final question. Please. Thinking, thinking back through life, what's the best piece of advice that somebody ever gave to you? Unfortunately, it was my father before they died. He told me, um, he's, he told me before he passed away, I wish. Uh, so, I said to him, but he had not, you know, you're very ill now and everything else. He says, yes. So don't wish, just go for it. You know, I mean, if you don't try, you know, I mean, never going to know. And he has a regret. So never regret. Just do the, do the things you believe it's the best for you, for your business, without damaging nobody, of course, and they're doing enough illegal. But I always say to people, Live your, live your life today. Don't wait tomorrow. Tomorrow, we don't have eternal life. So do now what you, what you wish for. No regrets. No, that's so true. It is, um, you know, people say it, but, you know, how, how, how much do we really listen to it? We all get sucked into the day-to-day the -day grind of just doing what we have to do and being where we have to be and, you know, yeah. taking the time to stop and be intentional about, okay, can I change this? If I'm doing things that I don't want to do on a regular basis, what will it take for me to change this, to fix it, to find someone else to do it, delegate it out, or just take it off my plate and stop doing that completely so I can do this instead. Those are the, I think those are the hard decisions that we as entrepreneurs sometimes know that we need to make. And uh, sometimes we know that we need to even just sit down and think about them, but we don't want to, because that means we've got to make a decision, right? And we've got to do something at the end of it all. And, and that's the yes. thing on our to-do list and on our plate I, to handle. So you should be very proud. I learned one thing through my experience has nothing to do with the listeners. You sharing your accumulated knowledge with the audience. You're giving opportunity to people like myself. I'm, you know, what I say about myself, this is not putting myself down, but me, Mario Beckes from Australia, you know, with, a, with a English, which is not my language. I have opportunity to talk to you today in Houston. And that's the achievement for me. It's a very huge and big, but on the other hand, 
people forget to share their knowledge. And I congratulate you for, because I'm watching your YouTube channel mostly. It's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to see what's happening around us, thanks to people like yourself, sharing the knowledge and insights into the, into the life and technology, which we can utilize in the best possible way. So uh, for that one, I'm grateful. Yeah. Well, I, I, obviously you share your knowledge too today, you know, joining me here for the conversation. So I think, Thank you, I think none of us are, none of us are experts at everything. So just sharing what we've learned and, you know, and sharing our, our version, even when we experience the same things, we experience them from different perspectives and we bring a different background to them. So the way we process it, process that information is still, it's still unique to each one of us. And, and that could help, somebody good, yeah. else, you know, in their journey. That's uh, good, I think we're both we're both just young enough to remember a world without the internet and, um, <laughs> and computers. I'm not quite so old that you know people would think that, but uh, you know I, there was no computers in school when I went to elementary school, like not one. I think when I went to middle school, we that was when the first you know computer appeared back in yeah. the '80s, and so I didn't grow up with any any ability to get any knowledge from anywhere other than school teachers and and books, and I didn't you know. Where do you go for books? A library? Like I wasn't going to go there. When you think, when I think about my kids now, and you can find out anything you want to know at the search of a YouTube, you know, search or a Google search, and you can watch a yes. video on it. You can, you can see the, you know, animals in the uh, Amazon jungle one second, yeah. and you can be figuring out how to pull something apart in a how-to video the next. It's it's amazing. It the is. It is. I agree with you. Yes. Yes. I think I agree with you. It is. It's different times, uh, but as like I'm, I'm grateful that we you and I live to the times when there was analog technology, and the times where you know today I'm seeing through my son. He's 19 years old. You know he's uh, he's doing things for me. Uh, I, I said like, how did you done this? I said, oh, Dad, you're old. Eh, dude, be careful what you say. You know, <laughs> but the truth it is, and yeah. So obviously you're, you're still in the risk management game now, right? This is what you do for your day job. I see the logo here in Insight Intelligence. And um, I, I have a little bit of a similarity in my background. Yes, please. Um, yeah. So I spent nearly five years with a, a boutique security company here in the US. We did um, unique things for very wealthy people. That's probably the best way to say it. Uh, but we yeah. also did kidnap ransom extortion in some of those things, which is not you know typical. Um, but the, the the guy that ran it was you know very well versed and it had been doing it for decades and um, yes pretty pretty good reach you know with some government folks and um, you know different countries around the world so yes. I know it's not exactly the same as some of the things you do but but there's there's obviously a connection there and a, and a similarity but in the time that in the time that you've been doing what you do I guess I guess for entrepreneurs listening to the show yes you know we talk about entrepreneurship we talk about business. And, you know, the concept or the principles are pretty much the same. You know, you, you have to yes. have a product or service you can sell. You have That's to have great. a customer that wants to buy it. That's um, great, yes. You know, yours is a little bit, a little bit more unique. Um, and your background obviously lends a lot of credibility to that, where Thank I you. could go start a T-shirt business tomorrow. And nobody cares if I know anything about T-shirts or not. They just want to buy a T-shirt if it's cool. And it's got a, you know, a trendy picture on the front of it. Whereas in your line of work, everybody cares about, where you come from and what you bring to the table. Interesting, Michael, perception. Now, that's, that's a very, very well said. Look, my, my job is information. And information, it's the most valuable commodity in business. Right. Period. 
right? So my background comes, you know, first, you know, I've been in the war, I've been educated to become the officer, but then the life actually brought me to the point where I, where I was being sent by my government to be training forensic investigations, you know, uh, what's it called, uh, counterintelligence, intelligence, counterterrorism, counterterrorism intelligence, you know, interrogation methods, investigative methods. So it was sort of natural progression for me to here in Australia, I start doing investigation. So you know that feeling when someone took advantage of you. Well, I'm here to prevent this happen, never happen in the future. And when the plans come to me, there's a, there's a, that point of the, uh, I found that, you, that unique selling point, I would say three Fs, uh, you know, the fear, fight and freedom. And the fear, people don't love to lose the money. People don't love to be taken advantage of. People, you know, they are, uh, the, 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 that fear of being, um, take it for granted and they intellectual property being stolen. Then we fight, you know, our fight is to fight against a, a criminal activity, against the fraud, against industrial espionage. And of course the freedom, it's like what we allow clients and our corporate clients here in Australia. Uh, and, and as I said, like, you know, when I'm seeing your work, Mike, you know, I mean, your website, you know, you're, you're a very knowledgeable and, and, and smart person. Uh, when you have an investigation, you must have the freedom to continue work without any interruptions. If you have your internal resources, you know how the people they are, they're whispering, you know, they're talking, sabotaging each other. So they bring us there. So information, it's the most valuable commodity. Either people learn, uh, you know, through investigation, or like, let's go say, you fly by plane, for example, right? And now I said to come back to people, to one point. The culture in the Western world, it is that people are very uh, open, right? And they will sit on a plane, open the laptops and, you know, log in on a, on a network in the plane. And they're like, oh, between Houston and Sydney, I'm going to do like a half a book, right? right? What it is on a plane, the danger on a plane it is that you don't know who is sitting next to you. Yeah. You don't know who is sitting behind you and people just watching. And when I said this to my clients, it was like, no, come on. And then I demonstrate <laughs> them how this be done. So yeah, my thing, I mean, and I'm glad you understand this management. So that's my job. My job is investigation, interrogation, but crucially it's information, information. So. so what kind of companies do you work with, Mario? Like who picks up the phone and calls you up? <clears throat> Everybody has a problem. So you know, first took me, Mike, took me several years before I reached my first client. First, I need to work on my expression because I was talking very fast. Nobody could understand me. Right. So then I realized, okay, my English is not the greatest in verbal presentation or oral, but as well, writing, it's not my grammar. It was, you know, my son, even still today, picking on me. It's like, dude, missing the A. And uh, so majority of my clients are the, we have the one side large corporate insurance banking financial sector because of the fraudulent workers' compensation claims, theft, you know, our all type insurances being you know fraudulent insurance claims. And then on the other side, you have the small and medium businesses, the businesses who uh, wants to explore possibility when is a theft happen in the workplace or fraud. And then of course, you know, it's always word of mouth. So 
my business is intelligence. We don't advertise nowhere in, in, in the form we are investigators via this one. So rather, I, I build my reputation on market within my team. So it's not my business is not me. My business is right. people working with me and particularly clients. Because Mike, you'll agree with me. I'm good as a my last case. If my last case right. is bad, everybody's going to say my Rebecca's is bad. Things happen, you know. So small and medium businesses, they have a problem internally. With, let's just say, um, when they have a recruitment, they need to do diligence background checks. That's where we step in. Yeah. Or they have the breach of the some of the um, policy procedures with fraud involved. So that's where we are. And of course, they pick up the phone and they say like, Mike, call my Mike referred me. Who is Mike? Aha, okay, I understand. Let's go meet for coffee quickly. Explain to us what it is. We explain the, how the model superandi is gonna go, and usually client says, "Oh, thank you very much." You know, so that's the that's how the things they are. Word of mouth is more powerful than any advertising because right. even we are competitors. For example, you're gonna say, "I my friend in that company." As a problem, I'm going to refer him Mario. And after all, we're guys who give information. We're guys who know things. And when we investigate, we need to abide by law, by acts, by legislations. So we are not police. When we investigate, we prepare the report, which you can take in, in the court of law and present your case. That's very important for, the, for the everyone, particularly sales processes here. So one of the things I used to observe when I was, when I was in this world Yes. was that we were selling a service that nobody really wanted to pay for. And, and, and I'll give you an example of this. So we, I remember doing a kidnapping case and we got the guy back and, um, you know, a payment was made. So it wasn't, it wasn't like you see in the movies where, you know, the, the, yes. the guys go in guns are blazing. That's not, that's not how it happens in the real world. <laughs> yeah, that's when everything's idea. gone wrong. And that's the worst case scenario because someone's yeah. going to end up getting shot. But, uh, but we got this guy back and the company weren't happy. They weren't happy because they had to pay a ransom. They weren't happy with the bill that they got. And it, it was one of those moments where I sat there and thought, you know, do I want to spend the rest of my life working in an industry where no one, no one wants to talk about security. No one wants to talk about being safe. Like it's not an exciting topic, like going buying a new Rolls Royce. Nobody wants to pay the money because there's no happiness that comes with it. That's it's, it's like, it's like taxes. You got to pay it. It is what it is. Nobody wants to, but you suck it up and do it. And yes. I'm, I'm assuming you have the exact same problem, even though you focus mainly on intelligence and research. It's still the stuff that nobody really wants to have to deal with. Nah, like, look, we are all living in a world where we have the front and the, and the back of the business. Everyone loves to be the front. Everyone loves to be the face, the icon, the leader. That's the that's most abusive word I heard in the last five years leadership leading and all these things and i don't have problems because i was you know when i was working government sector back in croatia you know i was always supporting the uh, decision uh, key makers right key decision makers apologies and i knew it when i bring my uh, briefing daily briefing to the ministers right they will read it and they will chuck in the garbage right literally but that's okay that's my job and right. then comes the moment, Mike, because you never know what the future brings. That's what I said to people. People say, tomorrow is nobody promised. Tomorrow, today is no promise. You know, you can't, you know, like you can walk on the street and a car can hit you. 
But if you read that report and you could prevent something or make a better decision-making, you understand in your case, uh, it's not about you uh, pay the ransom and you prevent it. Don't ever forget, sometimes it's your glory. You know what I mean? It's an ego works against what you achieve. It's not easy to work in kidnapping. Like I never work in kidnapping and always admire people who can do these negotiations. So, you know, can uh, save those people because that's a different set mindset up uh, itself. So in a business, when I provide information, I'm a su- in supporting role and I do my best to my client gets the best information possible for decision key making. If they don't utilize this in daily process or practice, I can't help that one. You right. can't help either. But sooner or later, they come back and say like, oh, what's happened? Well, you should read. You paid me for something. You should read it. Because mm-hmm. now, if you're using historical data, it's like a, some plane crashing. You take it the black box and say like, oh, let's go analyze. It doesn't work that way. You know this, Mike. So, yeah. Yeah, it's tough though, because obviously for every entrepreneur, it's different. You know, some... Some of us get to go sell things that make people warm and fuzzy and happy and others <laughs> sell things that are a necessity or a requirement. I mean, I'm in the, I'm in the office space game now, right? I have co-working spaces. Oh, it's okay. not as bad as the security game, but it's still not, it's still not exciting. No one's really excited about having to spend money on an office. I mean, it's nice to pay for one that's nicer versus not nice. But again, it yes. hasn't got that warm connection like buying a new iPhone. Or, you know, but going out buying a new car where it puts a smile on someone's face and they feel like they achieved something because they're now driving a, a BMW 7 Series or whatever, you know? It, look, I I like what you say, but as well, anybody who starts a business and, you know, you know, you know, the successful stories, they start in a garage, they start in their mother's bed, you know what I mean? In the basement, all these things. I love those stories, but I do remember I was starting in, in my bedroom as well. And, you know, I was spending more time in, in chasing the, the things on internet, which doesn't make a sense instead of working. So what I did, I found uh, something that co-working space. And people don't understand. Once when you determine to run your business, you need to have your space. You can't run from the, you know, your mommy wardrobe, you know what I mean, or the bathroom. Or, that's, that's not a success story, Mike. You know, that's all, um, it's good when you are, you know, multi-billionaire and, in, and you like on a, on a great radio talk show, on a TV show, it's like, you know, my life, you know, I started this. It, it does work for some people, but people need to have the space. And I truly believe you're in a good, uh, good industry. And because if you, if anybody, you know, you, if you, generally speaking, um, serious about running business, you need to have a space. And co-working space or space, you know, I had this called the service office. I'm sorry, service office, right? right? Which was a small, tiny cubicle, right? But that was so proud as my cubicle. Right. It was like 75 bucks per, per month or something. For me, what that was like millions. I didn't have money. Right. Even they chased me to pay that one. I, honestly, I never lied to you, Mike. You know, I remember my, my very first meeting with my client. Long story short, I come for the lunch. He brought the entire team. They have all these nice lobsters and the wine, and I have a 20 bucks in my pocket. I expect a coffee with my client. Coffee. Right. <laughs> so what I did, I apologize. I said, like, in a way to save money, I have a glass of water. <laughs> they have a lobster, so I have a 20 bucks. Come on. So what I said, my client, I 
forgot my wallet and he saw wallet on the chair. And he says to Mario, uh, it's okay, we're going to pay this time. But he asked me, do you have your address or are you working from home? Right. And I say, I'm working from service office. You have a first case. If I say that working from home, he won't take me seriously. So in a good business, and whoever look after all my learn, it's your business. You're doing a great job. Your YouTube channel, I enjoy watching video. It's a passion you're transferring. And you all know about the apology after all. We all know how to share the knowledge. When I come to my clients, I love to learn. I love to learn on my mistakes. And when somebody point me out to say, Mario, you can improve this and this and this. Sweet. So I'm learning from you. Look at the beautiful chair. Look at that, you know. I'm with Mike Takur on a podcast in Houston. Come on, you know. That's a beauty. <laughs> You're so kind. No, no, seriously. Like, you know, like, but how many people want to talk to you? They want to talk to you. Of course, they want to talk to you. So, like, who am I? You know, I mean, but I wanted to be exposed. So, I come to you in a different shape or form to different channels. And I'm here to talk to you because I'm willing as well. Not just me saying to people what to do. Who am I to tell people what to do with their life? I can share my life story. Absolutely. Right. You as well. When it comes to investigation, then I'm the God. That's a God mode. I love challenges. I love to work as best possible. So um, I like to provide the client's results. That's what matters because when client pays, and regardless how much he's happy or unhappy, I always stick with the initial instructions. That's the most important component in a business. Initial instructions not the leadership, right? Um, right? When you get instructions, what the client wants, I'll deliver this. And I like it to be that person when clients pick up the phone and say, my, it's great. That's, that's all that's matter to me, to save the money, uh, time, cost, and, 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 uh, and the stress they need to uh, remove. That's my job. When in run, let's just say, recently we had a client who is a big... Uh, in the fashion industry, they're missing $120,000 per week of the goods. And uh, that was a lot of money, $120,000, about $90,000 US dollars. <clears throat> and they have internally investigation, everything. Uh, bottom line is, I said to client, you're looking everything, let us help. So instead of telling client, you look in the wrong direction, I went there and we find out actually it was a deal between one of the managers and the, and the logistic company. Right. Dropping the bags with the five letters, right? Sorry, four letters. <laughs> so, and when we found, and I mean, that's been the entire market being there, you know, being run $120,000 per week. So that stress was being removed from them. And yeah. we had a one job with them and they referred us to another company, another company. And you can't make everybody happy, Mike. I always say to clients, right. I'm not the Java Nutella. I can't make it happy everybody, but I'll make it my best to justify your phone call to us. So you're going to get best information possible and outcome from us. And if you're not happy, please tell me. We're going to improve. Don't you worry. Mario, you're dropping all these truth bombs here. We got we to just pause for a second and recap. You're telling us that to be successful in business, what you found in your experiences, being honest and transparent, 
yeah. the story about, you know, when you didn't have the money in your pocket. And I think that's absolutely right. People can smell when you're just blowing smoke for sure. And I, yes. and I love the, I love the fact that you recognize if you'd have been working from home, you wouldn't have got that business because I, we say this so many times to people that come into our co-working spaces and it's true, you know, even today where you've got the privilege that working from home is a lot more accepted than it was. If I'm doing business with someone and giving them thousands of dollars of my money, I want to know they're a real business. I want to know they're going to be there tomorrow and they can deliver. And if you're working out your bedroom, that doesn't inspire me any confidence because it's, it makes me think you're not taking business seriously. So I think that was truth bomb number, you know, one and two right there. And, and then obviously, as you carried on talking about deliverables, you know, it's so important that we don't miss that, right? You know, when the client asks for something, our job is to give them what they ask for, not to give them what we think we want to give them, but to make sure we give them what they ask for or to help them understand what they're asking for isn't the right thing. And what they really need is this and here's why so that we can educate them through that process. And I think in the, in the, in the design world, that's something I've come across. So I've got, I've got a background in design and content creation. Obviously we create content now. Yes. And so, you know, we, we live and breathe this, but I know when I've worked with external folks and you ask them for something and then they come back with something completely different, it's like, okay, but hang on a second. That's not what we talked about. Well, you know, I thought that we could do this. Well, dude, I, I, I didn't want you to think that we could do that. Like you just spent 10 hours and bill me for it going down a rabbit trail. I didn't want to go down. So then what happens? They get unhappy that you don't want to pay. You get unhappy because you've got to pay or you're going to burn a relationship. And at the end of the day, nobody wins, right? Because they're going to lose a client one way or the other and you're not going to want to use them again. And you're going to end up going paying someone else to redo the same work, you know, that you, you really wanted done in the first place. So I love that idea of just, just that clarity around deliverables and how important that is. Um, but anyway, I'm just I'm just trying to recap here because you're going so fast. We're going to miss all these nuggets and, no, and no, golden no, sorry, truths. Sorry, like you know, I was just talking to you. I was I, was, I forgot we're doing the podcast. That's the tragedy. Even I should uh, be make it very clear step by step. But I said, like rather prefer have a frank conversation with you. That's a difference, Mike. When I when I saw when I was listening to your podcast, when I saw YouTube videos, I said I really like it, this guy. The way. First of all, you smiling, honest smile. You know, people don't like it. See, that's what it is, you know, in your videos. And, okay, the difference between you <clears throat> and other people I saw on the internet, I tell you why I would like to talk to you always. And somebody who was, I was intelligence operative, and there's a certain type of keywords you can hear it repeating, repeating, repeating. So now... When you talk about new gadgets, is a camera, microphone, or anything else in your YouTube channel, you show the knowledge. And you will agree with me, Michael. Then you have the other video and says, I am not the expert in this drone, but I will show you how functioning. And I'm like, okay, this guy says, I'm not the expert in drone technology, but I'll show you how to fly the drone. And that's the difference between Mike Takua and people I'm seeing. And that's why I said to my clients, who do you want to deal with? Somebody like yourself, Mike, when you start doing your presentation. Or that information comes out and then say, this is the drone, by the way, Mike. You know, I uh, two weeks ago, I fly my drone. My son told me not to fly between the trees. I want to fly down <laughs> a hill in some cave. And of course, I crashed my drone. Yeah. So I need to buy a new drone. And... Uh, 
I was looking for the videos and I come across your, you know, your videos show me, you know, what you're developing. And then I'm hitting other ones. That's a key component of success. When my clients come to me and say, we have the problem with the supplier. And I say, like, what's the problem? We can't find them. We send, uh, we pay the bill, but we can't find them. What do you think what we're looking first for? It's address, physical address, storage, warehouse, office. And then you have the PO box. That sounds, sounds alarm bells. Do you agree? Right. So you need to have the physical presence in shape or form of the office. Doesn't need to be flashy and, uh, you know, oval office. And that's what I'm saying. You're doing a good job, Mike. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what makes me happy talking to you. So I apologize for being fast. All these nuggets throwing out, but I enjoying talking to you. And that's uh, come, it's a six o'clock in the morning. So try to keep my energy up. <laughs> no, no, no. You're doing great. I just want to make sure that folks listening, sometimes it's hard, especially when people are driving or, you know, they're, they're listening, but they're doing something else at the same yeah. time. And, you know, it's trying to make sure they don't miss the good stuff because, yeah. because it yes. applies across all industries. Those <coughs> things are timeless principles that go across no matter what you're doing as an entrepreneur. If you can't satisfy your clients, you know, needs, you're going to go out of business. It's as simple as that. If you can't deliver a good product on time, you know, when they need it at the right price, you're going to go out of business. It's just a matter of time. How long you're going to stretch that pain. I mean, those are just key things we've got to get right as entrepreneurs. So, you know, even if someone's listening thinking, well, I'm not in security, like what's this got to do with me? It's got everything to do with you. You know, the, the service is different, but. but fundamentals are the same. You're right, Michael. Yeah. Fundamentals are the same in every business. Uh, I know, again, talking from my personal experience, the moment I started my business, nobody wanted to deal with me. Not because I'm a foreigner, because nobody know me. I didn't have no credibility. I didn't have the no, um, nobody could uh, cover for me as a reference to say, uh, you can do this and this, you know, and you have no office. So what I try to say to people, the most important thing is in life and most valuable commodity in life is the time. So how do you apply your time? Start from the beginning, right you have your business plan doesn't matter one page you need to have the business address you must have business address you can't work from the from the from the your wife's bathroom or you know your son's bedroom it doesn't work that way you know that then you know like you start grinding you know start developing that network of people that always like the, the the base it's very important if you have no base and you know look my first email address had a gmail.com <laughs> and people were like they will literally make a fun of me. And I said, I can't afford the website. I couldn't, you know, GFC crashed everything. Um, and I luck, was lucky enough. I met a lovely person. Uh, she's a good friend of mine, Wendy, and her husband. They built me first website. I remember 600 bucks I was paying for two years. <laughs> in installments, two years. <laughs> but I have my website. And I, you start somewhere. It's a lot of sacrifice. And, you know, you need to start from the scratch right and then not to you know you can always build bigger and better or whatever they call this bigger but you need to start your fundamentals right small space your little website doesn't need to be flashy and the people love credibility and only way to establish credibility is that you are present on the market and people talk about you and you can rely on somebody like you know i know mike from the from the houston and you know, I deal with him. There's a podcast. Credibility, it's very important in business, even before you start. 
And you can't build credibility on a, on a false premises. You need to build them straight away properly. So that's what the people's going to do it. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, Mario, how can anybody connect with you online if they want to learn more about what you're doing or maybe they want to take advantage of some of your services? What's the best way to find you? Uh, I'm inviting everybody to come on my website, Mario Beckes, mariobeckes.com.au. Uh, that's my personal website, which is going to drive you to a website called Insight Intelligence, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, intelligence.com.au, which we provide in the corporate services over there. Um, so that's the, that's the best way. Or LinkedIn, just the Google Mario Beckes, whatever they like, it's just the Dr. Google Mario Beckes, B-E-K-E-S. They're going to find me quickly. Yeah, there's no problem. Awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. So if you're Thank watching you. on YouTube, just scroll down, you'll see it below. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you're going to have to wait till you actually got your phone in your hand and you finish with your workout <laughs> and then you can scroll down and find it that way. But uh, we'll, we'll yeah. put it there for you as well. So Thank appreciate you, you hanging out with us today, Mario. Thank you, Mike. And uh, I wish you all the, your listeners all the best. And thank you, Michael, for having me on your podcast. I'm going to put all the, the links in the show notes for Mario. Hope you enjoyed it. Listen, as always, hit that subscribe button. Share the episode if you know someone's going to enjoy listening to it. Make sure you've rated the podcast. And most importantly, hit me up on social. Tell me what you're learning from these shows. Tell me what's standing out to you from these guests. We're working hard to find great people from a variety of backgrounds to give you the most value that I can give you in the 30 or 40 minutes that you give me of your time each week. I really appreciate it. I don't take it for granted. We put a lot of energy and effort into this. And until next time, Scott, there and keep being amazing.